Hey everybody, on today's episode, we're gonna spend quite a bit of time talking about our quarterly meeting and some of the highlights that came out of it to include redefining churn in our industry. Hey everyone, we wanted to introduce the RentWorks Summit going on December 7th and 8th, 2023 in San Antonio, Texas. We're only allowing six attendees to this event, two full days of all the inside-outside training that RentWorks puts on with BizDev Mastermind, our CPA, our maintenance team, our operations, our leasing, all of that, two full days in San Antonio. Visit rwmastermind.com. Do your phones ring too much at your office? Is hiring quality staff a challenge? The Virtually Incredible has been making property management easier since 2010. How? Two ways. First, use our 24-7 call center to answer your leasing calls and book all your showing appointments. Ask about having us help with your mainline calls, emergency repair calls, and see how our new owner hotline can help you add more doors. Second, visit our website to shop from our list of affordable and well-trained virtual assistants. You can hear their spoken English and hire them to start right away. Hiring staff has never been this easy with low upfront costs and immediate placements available. And at Virtually Incredible, we help you try before you buy. Once you know, like, and trust your new staff member, you can hire them direct and save a bundle. Connect with Logan Breen, a third-generation property manager, to schedule a consultation today. Visit virtuallyincredible.com or call 561-693-2648 today. A quiet office is just one phone call away. Hey everybody and welcome to another edition of the Property Management Mastermind Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Larson. Now today, we're going to be doing a monologue. So it's a real boring episode, haha. You're going to listen to me talk for a few minutes and there's a lot of things fresh in my mind I want to put out there and I think it's good content for the folks that are listening because it's very poignant and specific to what we do as property managers in running a large organization or even a medium-sized organization. And the folks that may not have that yet, uh, it's something to strive towards just to make sure your organization's running well. And so we just had our quarterly meeting. There were a couple of things that came out of it. Now we, to give you some background, we follow the EOS model. The EOS model you can get from Traction. Uh, we had a full-time implementer come in and put this into the business. His name was Phil Mazur. There was a couple of us out there like Deb Newell that I would recommend. Uh, they were, they're all good, right? They're all good and they implement the EOS model. And what that is, it's a cadence or a series of meetings. And the meetings are everything from weekly to monthly to quarterly to annual. And so at RentWorks, we do an annual meeting offsite. And that's one of the key points is we do it offsite. So we do it away from the office. And in fact, we're moving into a new office here this month. And we're considering doing the, the quarterly meeting at our new office for uh, October timeframe. And I really started to think about that. I'm like, no, because it only takes one tenant or one FedEx person to ruin that whole experience. So we really make it a point to go offsite and I, I honed in on the example. Okay, somebody from UPS walks in and they demand a signature from somebody. We have to stop the meeting, they gotta walk out into the reception area, they gotta sign for a package, 
or you get one particular owner or tenant or vendor that walks in and they got to have a problem solved right then and there. And people walk in and say, you know, can you talk to this tenant for 30 seconds and, and, or give them a key to something and something. It just disturbs the flow of the meeting. So this is why we don't do it on site at our conference room. Uh, we make it a particular portion of effort to go off site. And we go to a uh, Regis office. We rent their big conference room. Again, it's offsite. It's easy to get to. It's 10 minutes from the office. And we've been doing it there for a couple of years. They have big, giant whiteboards. And so we write everything up on the boards. And where it really gets productive now, and I'm talking through the quarterly meeting stuff, is we don't go a lot of times through all the touchy-feely stuff. And I know some people might say, ah, oh, that's that's... That's not the you know the proper method. So the touchy feely stuff is to like really spend a lot of time talking about your core values or your core focus. Okay, we've already defined those from implementing the EOS model, and so core values are customer first, accountable, team player, continuous improvement, and GSD. Get shit done. Ha ha. That's a, that's the one I love to add in there. Now we don't spend a lot of time redefining those core values. In the outline of a quarterly meeting, they might have you talk about this all morning. Well, let's redefine your core values. Let's redefine your core focus. You know, part of our core focus, we actually re did redefine it a little bit. So at current, as I'm looking at it in paper in front of me, it says provide exceptional service. And so what we did is we added to that because I do have a couple standing rules, standing orders at RentWorks. And the first one is get the business. Second one is keep the business. Third one is provide exceptional service. Those are our three generic standing orders, like the standing ideas of what we what we hone in on. Uh, and we defined it basically, we combined all that and we combined it into get the business, keep the business and provide exceptional service. So that's now our core focus purpose as defined in the EOS Vision Traction Organizer. Right. I'm giving you some good examples there because going through the drill of getting to this point where you have that all on paper is excellent. You can quiz your staff members. You can always reference it back in your mind. Okay. What are our core values? What's our core focus? Um, because there's questions that pop up. Uh, we talked about that just in context at the meeting. I can't exactly remember the, the example, but. Uh, we were talking about a particular client wanting to, oh, I know exactly what I saw. I just remembered, gang. Uh, we're talking about a client wants to add in another property into our, our business. And, you know, we end up making it so difficult for them. You know, they might have one property under management with us. You would think it'd just be, hey, I'm bringing this other property to you. Let's go. But in the way we're doing things, and this is probably the way things are being done for most property management businesses is you have them sign a complete new property management agreement. And we started thinking about that. Like that's just a barrier of hassle because we don't need their name. We don't need their taxpayer identification number. We don't need their home address again. All we really need is a one page, simple little, I call it an addendum. Again, it's not an amendment. An amendment changes the original contract. An addendum adds to it. So we need to build and we're going to build. This is one of my two do's. We're going to build a simple addendum for somebody to just add in another property. In addition to, they have to fill in the stuff that's with it. Okay, so the addendum is a one-pager, but then we have 
the onboarding sheet. Like, okay, how many remotes do you have? How many air conditioning units does it have? Does it have a water heater that runs off of gas or electric? You understand? So we have to understand that for each particular property, but we can skip through the boring stuff of like, give me your name, give me your phone number, give me your address, give me your email. You understand? And just have them do a one page addendum. And I'm gonna make a point with this. That all circles back to get the business, one, we got the business very quickly with, with a potential addendum that we're going to build. Two, it helps us keep the business because we're keeping the customer happy. We're not making them go through 19 pages of a property management agreement. And then three, it provides exceptional service by making it easy to get one and two accomplished. So I use that in, in like a, an example that we can all understand. And that's something that came out of that meeting because our business development guys like, uh, hey, we had somebody sign up and they want to just add one more property six months later, three months later. And we're like, well, just have them sign a new property management agreement. And we all started looking about that. It's like, that's kind of intrusive. I mean, we're really just making it a pain in their, you know what, to, to just add one property. Let's streamline this. And so I hone in on that just as a good example of our core focus tying into an actual event that worked, that came out of this meeting. This is this particular episode is a synopsis of that quarterly meeting to give everybody some insight on what some of the things that we talk about that might trigger something in your particular business. And so we, of course, we have our 10-year our target in the EUS model, which is a 10-year target. I'm more of a five-year target. And then we have a three-year picture. And so I'm not going to bore you with some of the details that we go through it, but I'm telling you the outline of what we look at. And the marketing strategy that goes into it, we have three uniques. We have multiple transparent pricing options to flat rate fees. I mean, all that good stuff that comes out of the marketing strategy that is target market the list, the three uniques of your business, and you have a proven process. All that's part of the marketing strategy, which is under the vision umbrella. And so I wanted to talk through that because in this particular quarterly meeting, we skipped through it right? We already had it done. We already did this months and months ago, years ago. And so now we get into the fun stuff, which are the the reviewing of what we've done the last quarter and going forward and what we want to do for the next quarter, which is the intent of the quarterly meeting. And of course, we had our rocks. Our rocks are the big goals for the quarterly meeting. And I'll give you just a couple of them from you know what we came up with. Uh, one was we wanted to... Um, we had to find a new eviction attorney. We had to establish a relationship and document that process. And that was part of Stacy's goal. She's our special projects queen. She's fantastic. And so she had to research attorneys. She had to interview them. We had to dovetail them into our system. We had to uh, figure them, you know, figure out what they wanted to do. And then of course their charges and all that stuff. It was quite the effort. And that was one of her goals that she got accomplished this particular quarter. And then we track all those rocks, and then we have a percentage of completion of those particular rocks, those goals. So let's say you had 10 rocks and you got eight of them done. There you go. You have an 80% completion rate. So it gives you an actual, you're tracking metrics for the metrics of the meeting, <laughs> if you want to look at it like that. So another one of the, uh, the goals we had was the 401k and payroll transition to ADP. Okay, we transitioned from one payroll provider that was local. We went to a large payroll provider, ADP. That was a lot of work. And that was all on Amy, our lead, our, our basically our vice president, our, our lead accounting coordinator. And 
she took that. She took all the 401k and she got it moved over. All the employees that were getting into that, uh, we transitioned to our payroll with ADP. And that was on the advice of our CPA. Again, all these acronyms flying all over the place. And our CPA does our quarterly meetings. So it's fantastic. We have Shannon Badger. Uh, she's going to be part of the Rent Work Summit that's going to be happening in December. She's there doing our quarterly meetings. So she has now done four or five or six of these for us. And she is fully ingrained into what we do. I mean, I don't think there's anybody else outside of our industry that understands as well what we do as she does. So it's really actually kind of neat. Uh, she she gets all the lingo now. She understands the acronyms. She understands the questions to ask. And she allows us to streamline this into a very productive meeting where we start throwing issues up on the on the whiteboard. And the issues are stuff that we talk through at length because in attendance, we have our lead property manager, we have our business development manager, we have our ma head maintenance guy, uh, myself, we have our CEO, we have our accounting people. And there's there was eight or 10 people in there. I'd have to go around the room and count, I think 10. And a lot of those issues that come out of that are stuff that we can talk about at length. And there's some pretty, uh, I guess I'd call it contentious moments because of course you have ops mad at maintenance, maintenance mad at ops. And the two leads in that particular realm did a very good job in keeping their emotions in check. And they did a really cool thing of just talking through the issues and trying to work through them together. And a good facilitator will squash anything that's going to be a negative type of a scenario where you don't wanna gang up type deal. Well, you did this and you did that. And you got five other people and you did this and you did that. I mean, that's how people, you know, get really alienated and they run out crying. And that's not something that we wanted in this particular meeting, but you start talking through the issues as a group, some really good things come out of that. And that leads into to do's and it funnels down into rocks. And that's part of the, one of the things I want to talk about is you might have 25 issues, you talk through them and that's going to produce 10 to-dos, and then five rocks. Rocks are quarterly goals, and to-dos are somewhat fairly a lot, they're a lot simpler than a rock. I mean, the to-dos are just, I don't know, kind of just check the box stuff that you gotta get done to really accomplish the rocks. They might lead into them. So one of the other projects we're working on is solidifying the Rent Work Summit. Dates are seven, eight December. We're going to solidify an act, uh, a detailed itinerary uh, providing to do's, providing rocks for that and making sure that's a very good experience for the folks that want to jump in and come visit our new office in December and see how this process flows, see how our business development works. I mean, we had a fantastic month. And so part of the reason, part of the things that we do in a quarterly meeting is we go through our accountability chart. We talk through our organizational methods. We have 38 employees. And so we have pods, we have uh, team Rent, Team Works, and Team Austin. And those teams have three, four different a uh, different remote team members underneath them. And so one of our challenges that we actually work through this meeting is when do we hire another local property manager in San Antonio, bring in two or three remote team members underneath them and create another pod? When do we need to do that? What actually came out of that meeting is we don't need to do that. We just need to add one more remote team member that can assist with maintenance and make readies into each particular pod. 
And so as a business owner, I'm like, that's fantastic because I'm thinking, oh my God, we're going to have another, you know, 60, $80,000 salary for a local property manager. And we've had very unlucky luck with local property managers. We're now in our third one in Austin and we're, we have high hopes for that person, but we've had to just, I mean, that's the nature of the beast with the, with local employees, American based employees. And it's not a negative thing. It's not a, you know, I don't want to disparage that. It's just how it is. And so what we're going to end up do, uh, end up doing is adding one more remote team member into each pod at a fraction of the expense, like one fifth, one sixth of the expense of a, of another local property manager and then start to build out more processes for them. The end of the day, we're going back to our vision traction organizer core focus provide exceptional service. And that's how we felt we could do that better is adding one more point of contact that can do things, that can get things done in maintenance, that can answer phone calls. Uh, that really is one of those people that can ensure that we're doing the best we can to solve problems. So that came out of the accountability chart review. Property Meld is a smart maintenance coordination solution proven to turn maintenance headaches into profitability. Our maintenance coordination hub connects all property management companies' key players in one location, providing maintenance oversight and efficiency to property management maintenance teams. Our solution streamlines communication throughout the coordination process, resulting in the oversight and efficiency property managers need to create a profitable maintenance operation. Property Meld delivers property managers with a positive maintenance experience. Check out more information at propertymeld.com or reach out at info at propertymeld.com. Each week, we have a level 10 meeting. And some of the things that we track weekly in the level 10 are number of units managed. Now, these are actual units, okay? These, these are not... HOA doors that we track, that we want to puff up our unit count. Uh, we track this on a weekly basis to an actual real number. And so you're going to find if you ever bump into me in a conference and you say, how many units are you managing? I will give you an exact number based on the last week's meeting because I track these numbers as well. And it's not a generic, oh, we manage about 500 doors or 200 doors or something, I like to give it to you to an exact number. That's just me because I see a lot of property managers out there. They fluff their their feathers and they want to say how big they are, but rounding up times two. And I just, I hate that. So we have number of units weekly that we've added. We have number of units year to date that we've added. Uh, this year in July 6th, we've added 192 units. Not bad. We're pretty close to our goal to add 400 units this year. Then you take away the churn. Now I'm going to get to the churn gang. Okay. Just bear with me. I'm going to get to the churn because I know we're modeling uh, this episode, calling it redefining churn and management. That was the, the, the catchphrase to get everybody to listen to this. We're getting there. I, I have a, a very uh, big point to make on that. We track our vacancy rate. And one of the things that we had as a vacancy rate goal was less than four and a half percent. And in the meeting, I was kind of making the point of I don't really care what our vacancy rate is necessarily because we can't really control it. Uh, you understand that? So we can't control the market. We cannot control how owners price their homes. 
And we can't control that June, July, you know, May, June, July, and August are just super, super busy. And of course, you're going to have a longer vacancy rate when there's more homes in the market and market wide that's happening. So we've had a little bit of a trend up in the vacancy rate, but it's only reflective of the busy season. So I'm not worried about it. And I just want to bring it up. Same with the average days on market. Our average days of market, you know, has been very consistent in that, in that 29, 30, 31 range across the board the last few weeks. And I was making the point in the meeting about the average days of market is again, if we're doing the right things, that's going to take care of itself. Uh, and it's also indicative of the fees. And this is one thing that came out in an episode where, uh, I did a podcast previous and Somebody asked me the question, well, what about all the fees that you might charge the owners, you might charge the tenants, you might charge whomever. And I honed in on the fact of, okay, let's look at the days on market. If our days on market are pretty consistent with the rest of the market, then we're probably doing an okay job. And the market is telling you that uh, what you're doing is feasible and acceptable. Now, we also made the point that there are some cheaters in our market. I can tell you that for sure. They cheat the MLS. They do all kinds of different things to avoid the days on market because you can never convince me in a thousand years that they have half the, the days on market that we do. Okay. Cause we are doing exceptionally well in our marketing efforts with pictures and video and time frame and pricing. And when you start seeing a, a, a company local, cause I look at all the numbers gang, I dig up the MLS numbers I do a, an annual analysis of what some of our biggest competitors are doing locally here and in Austin. And you look at them and you're like, okay, uh, we're at 29 days average for average days of market. And then some company is at 14 or 15 or 16. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. They're cherry picking. They're only putting the home on the market after they have it rented. Uh, they're canceling and then relisting the home. They're doing all kinds of cheating methods. And so I've caught people several times before. Uh, they've been reported through the San Antonio Board of Realtors and I've been that Karen and I'm fully going to own it. So that's a long discussion on the average days on market. Number of new leads, we're doing well per week. You know, we got 44, 32, 36, 31 leads per week. Those are for new management. Uh, cancellations, we, you know, three, one, four, eight, five, and we get our cancellations like everybody else. And that's gonna lean into the churn, of course. Homes closed. Wow, that is down. So we've only closed 13 homes and we closed last year at this time, probably triple that. So that is an indication of the slowing sales market. We have a goal this year for 70 homes sold inside of our inventory. And that could be to outside, you know, buyers or that could be to internal investors. Uh, it's just selling homes. Market has super, super slowed down from that stat and interest rates. You got people not wanting to sell. COVID's pretty much over all the above going into it. Now, one new stat that we track is company strength. And at a certain point, um, we started to get so big that I needed a snapshot to understand where we are on our hiring and firing and in our filling of our positions with 36, 37, 38 positions it's good to know our company strength. And this, this came straight out of, you know, my military days where if you had an uh, army unit of any sort and your, your standard full strength is a hundred soldiers in an infantry company, and I'm using round numbers, and you have 90 soldiers assigned to you or only 90 available, well, you're at a 90% strength. And so I use that concept 
in our business to get a one line understanding of where we are in our hiring and firing and staffing. And that's our strength. And so this last one, we were at 97%. Pretty good. So I think we got to hire one more. Uh, and then I think we're good to go with uh, our strength as far as that. And then, of course, we have a level 10 meeting score. So at the end of these level 10 weekly meetings, they give a score like, what do you think about it? You know, a lot of nines and tens. So, you know, people might ha not have the energy that day or a couple of people are missing. And so that's how some of those things end up being a little bit longer or less than what they could or should be. And so what I do want to do now is go through some of the to do's and or rocks that might have come out with it. Here's a good one. So our owner lockboxes, we were having problems uh, tracking lockboxes. Okay, it's not, this is one of the issues that came out of it. And I'm hoping all the listeners can understand that. We have lots of lockboxes flying around everywhere. Uh, we use the MFS lockbox. They run around 22 or 23 bucks a lockbox. They're a stupid old combo lockbox, which I'm a big, big fan of for a lot of reasons. I could talk your ear off about that particular subject. Not a big fan of the electronic lock boxes. I don't trust the electronic doorknobs. The good old fashioned on the door lock box is a good way to go. Our discussion point was maybe we want to look at installing a permanent lock box on every single home. The kind you drill into the siding, it could be the front door, it could be the side frame, it could be on the back side of the home, it could be on a fence. Anywhere where you could drill in an actual permanent lockbox, we are seriously considering doing. And one of the things that came out with it was to let's give the owners a choice in the property management agreement. They can pick a permanent lockbox for free or B, a removable lockbox for a fee of X. And that fee is really covering the trips that it takes us to go to the home, put a lockbox on the property, go back to the home when the tenant moves in because we do a lockbox move in for free. You know, that's benefiting everybody for the tenant. We have to go back to the home to remove the lockbox off the door. Otherwise, the lockboxes disappear and we end up spending, you know, we end up buying 100 lockboxes a year at a couple grand cost, right? That's probably what we spend a year in lockboxes between a thousand and two thousand bucks. Now, same thing we're talking about with the signs. As you guys know, I don't do anything half, you know what? Our signs run about 40 to 50 bucks. The, the four rent, good quality metal yard signs, they're 40 to 50 bucks a shot. We get them from Oakley Signs out of Florida. We can't find anybody cheaper local to do it. Uh, that's been a fantastic resource for us, Oakley Signs out of Florida. I get nothing for saying that. They're not even a sponsor. They don't even know who my who we are, but we probably order 50 signs a year from them. If they, Again, if each sign is 50 bucks, you got 50 signs a year, that's 2,500 a year. You know, it's just it just adds up. So what's frustrating is the signs are coming in, they're coming out with no accountability. So one of our projects that we're going to do, and that's part of the rocks that we have on our list, is to figure out an accountability method. Now this is inventory management one-on-one. -on -one. You can go into the Amazon or the Google and look into this subject and you're going to find you know the scanners that are handheld pistol scanner things that you can assign a barcode to every single sign that you have and i think that's what we're going to do i think we're going to have to get really really good at that to reduce that sign churn right of 
signs going in, signs going out. Nobody knows how many we have. Nobody knows where they are. They end up in somebody's garage and they end up throwing, getting thrown away. Uh, we want to reduce that and make our field techs scan in every single sign. And then when they put it into a new yard, they scan that particular thing out and add an address to it. Now that's in, that's really boiling it down to the basics. And so the point of that is that's one of our rocks that came out of that meeting in long discussion format. I mean, we spent 10, 15 minutes discussing it. Now it's something that I think we want to do because again, we're just eating money every year, throwing money away and missing signs. And so that, that's, that's a big part of it. We also want to talk about our pest control guidelines because we do our own uh, pest control measures. And what we've done in the past is we add a free pest control to our resident benefits package. And we also add it into our owner's benefits package that we offer free pest control. But we need to make sure we limit that. And that was one of the things that came out of it is crazy story is okay, we, we offer the free pest control, tenant ordered it as part of the resident benefits package. We go out, we execute it, the service, and the pest vendor, Pied Piper, discovered that there's German cockroaches. I didn't know Germany brought cockroaches, but there's German cockroaches uh, at, the, at this particular home. All right, who pays for it? Question mark. Long pause for effect. Who's paying for that service? That's going to remedy those German cockroaches. All right. Well, we spent a lot of time talking about that. Well, we if it's within the first week, it's going to be the owner, right? That's only fair. That's an owner issue. If they've been there for six months or a year and all this other, well, it's, it's on them because they keep a dirty home or just got unlucky with that particular home and, and having an infestation. Doesn't mean anything against them. It's just, you know, bad luck with pests sometimes. So we need to clearly define that. And we're going to go back into our property management agreement and into our resident benefits package and clearly define what we're going to be offering in our pest inspection services. So that's one of the things that came out of our to-do list and rocks. Now, I'm getting to the meat of this finally as we close out because this is a long discussion on industry churn. For quite a while, we've had uh, vendors in this space who don't manage property, but they know everything about everything. Just ask them, they'll tell you. They all of a sudden know what churn is and what you have a, as a property manager have been doing wrong. Well, clearly you must suck as a property manager if you have churn, right? That's their intent. So you'll listen to them and, and, and figure out what you can do by adding their software or adding their methods. And I don't believe in that. And you guys have heard me talk about this. Churn is just a natural side effect for our industry. And it's reflective of the sales market. Uh, it's reflective of the times. It's reflective of people in general. You can't provide a perfect service. You're going to irritate, upset owners and they're going to fire you. It just is something you cannot avoid. It's also to the point of you're going to run into owners who won't do the right thing. They want to discriminate. They won't make repairs. They don't have any money. Uh, all of that will cause churn because Either one, you're going to get fired, or two, you're going to fire people. Now, we were flipping out a few years ago, and I want to give you a long version of this because all of a sudden, we're looking at our churn rate, and we were at 28 29%, and we're like, WTF, what is going on with our churn rate? And we did a couple different things to really start to reduce that, and the biggest one was trying to capture those sales. And 
We started that with the whole sales team. You guys have heard me talk about this. We implemented uh, some key components with consultants and they came in and built our sales team. And we have a fantastic sales team. And what they're doing is they're very proactive in reaching out to all of the owners, reminding them gently that we do sales quarterly, monthly, whatever. We offer free CMAs, you know, unsolicited CMAs. We offer them, we push those out to the owners. And essentially we're trying to reduce churn that way. And I've seen that go down significantly. In addition, what came out of last quarterly meeting into this quarterly meeting was let's take a look at what our churn is and why it's at the level it is. Let's define the moment that churn starts. And what we found out was we would get somebody signed up on a property management agreement. And if they were no longer there, that was a churn tick mark. Okay. And then we defined it good, bad, and neutral, right? Good churn, bad churn, neutral, neutral churn. We actually went through the drill of putting that into words and without trying to really get into the semantics of that in the weeds, good churn is, you know, you sell their home, uh, bad churn is they fire you, uh, neutral churn as they move back in. Okay. I mean, we can go on and on in every single scenario, but there, you need to classify it however you want to classify it. Cause there is no necessarily right or wrong in that particular way, classify it good, neutral, bad. So we started asking the questions, okay, what about the folks that signed up and never brought us their home? We never managed their home. As far as having a tenant, we didn't manage any money. Uh, we, there was no cancellation fee paid. And I want to understand how many of those in the last 12 months fall into that category. Cause we were sitting probably 23, 25% of our churn rate with an annual goal of 15% churn rate. Okay. So we started looking at that. We had a bunch of scenarios where people would sign up, sign our property management agreement and then ghost us. But yet we were counting them as churn. I said, no, 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 that's not right. If we didn't manage their property, we didn't have a tenant in place, we didn't have a lease agreement in place, they're not considered churn. They were never technically our client. And so we started to do an audit and we threw out 46, again, 46 units of churn from last 12 months that didn't count. And so our churn rate went down from 23, 24%, whatever it is, to like 14% churn. So all of a sudden by clarifying the metrics of what that meant, we looked at ourselves again and said, wow, we're not doing as bad as we thought. We're not doing as bad as the industry gurus thought we were. And it really kind of made us think about, okay, we're doing okay. Cause now we understand that when someone signs a property management agreement, but they refuse to make repairs and we just go our separate ways, before we ever have a tenant, that's not really our fault. And we're not going to take a hit in the chin as a churn metric. And so we redefined it. We threw out 46 particular units that signed up and were just for whatever reason, they went away. Their cousin rented their home. They decided to sell it before we ever listed it for rent. Uh, you know, they, they ghosted us for whatever reason. They found another property manager that, you know, did it for cheaper or whatever. Those we, we decided to not count against us and rightfully so. I firmly stand behind that. And all of a sudden our churn rate is looking good. And so I want you to understand when you look at your churn, forget what the industry guru people say, look at the people that were actually under management, 
with a tenant, with a lease agreement, collecting management fees for longer than a month. If you just listed their home for rent and then they decided to rent their home to some person at church that they met yesterday, that's not your fault. Okay. That's not on you guys necessarily. That's just people. And you just have to account it up as just part of doing business. Okay. The cost of doing business. So, and having gone through this long monologue, I hope you guys got something out of it. It's kind of what we do in our quarterly meetings, some of the challenges that we've been facing. Uh, and then also that huge revelation of what churn should actually be defined as. And I think that's going to change how you look at it. I think it's going to make you realize, hey, maybe you're not doing so bad. And maybe you've been calculating your churn, if at all. Maybe you've been calculating it wrong for this long because we certainly have. And at the end of the day, it was kind of uh, silly that we were doing it like that because we're looking at ourselves like, God, what's wrong with us? Why, did, why is our churn so high? Why did we have you know 30 units last month or 25 units leave last month? Well, when we broke it down, only you know 10 decided to sell. You know, five decided to self-manage. We ended up firing five, and then five ghosted us. Wait a minute, five ghosted us? What do you mean? Well, yeah, we signed up this person, that person, the other person, and we've reached out five times, and they just they won't respond. We actually got a hold of this person, and they said they decided to to rent them home themselves, right? Which means they found a tenant uh, at the grocery store, and they just bumped into them and said, "Hey, just lease my home, and I'll fire my property manager." And we don't try to hold people to those contracts like that. That just creates bad blood. We say, all right, if that's something like that happens, we're not going to charge you a cancellation fee because we didn't put the home in the market. Uh, all good. No harm, no foul. Come back to us if you need further management. We love you. Goodbye. You know, that type of stuff. And that's how you end those relationships very well. So to wrap up this episode, I want to give you a long format of our synopsis of our quarterly meeting. Hopefully you got something out of that just because uh, we want to talk about how we run those meetings, what comes out of them, some of the challenges that we see, and maybe you got a snippet out of there that you can apply to your business. So thanks for listening. Look forward to having you on the next episode. Pest Share, a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program, starting at just $5 per door. You can give your residents the pest control coverage they need. PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations like bed bugs and cockroaches. End the debate over who pays for pest control while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at pestshare.com forward slash property managers.